0: Welcome back to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion. So come on with me and let's do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. You know, when you see a project or a book or a TV show or movie and you think, yeah, God, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? Or even maybe, oh yeah, I thought about that and then I just never did anything about it. Well, that is kind of what happened with me and today's guest. She and a partner started Grand Dishes, which features stories and recipes from grandmothers all around the world, which is starting a hashtag granny movement. The guest today is Anastasia Miari. Iska Lupton is the other half of Grand Dishes. Aside from her epic Grand Dishes project, Anastasia is a writer with a Guild of Food Writers Award under her belt. Anastasia writes a lot about travel and food. The kind of people we like on this podcast, right? So with Anastasia, we talk about what it's like to live in Greece how she forms and nurtures relationships with her journalistic subjects, and the many joys of getting to know some of the world's most interesting, awesome, cooks, lovable, quirky grandmothers around. So I snagged Anastasia when she was swinging through London from her current home in Athens, Greece. So we are, we are recording. Um, can I get you to count to Ten.
1: In Greek. Okay. That
0: was so good. I might have to include that in the podcast, <laughs> in the final edit. Okay, let's just jump right in.
1: Let's go for it.
0: Anastasia Miari. Thank you so much for coming on the Keep It Quirky podcast. Thanks
1: for having me. I, I miss Iska. Uh, <laughs> I miss yeah, Iska already.
0: Yeah, right off the bat, let's let's give a big hat tip to Iska Lupton. What up, the like the partner in crime yeah. in grand dishes, um, which we're gonna talk all about because that is how I know about you, and it's such a cool project. But I'm gonna leave our listeners a little bit. On the edge of their seats with that because i also want to talk about you because you have an incredible career aside from grand dishes and you are very much a creative badass in my opinion it's
1: very sweet of you. <laughs> <laughs> i might add that on my instagram bio yeah.
0: <laughs> you just put it on your business card it's yeah. that official um so you are a writer you're mm-hmm. a food travel culture pop culture Um, all of these things writer, Mm -hmm. you kind of scribble outside the lines when it comes to topics. So how do you describe yourself?
1: Uh, I am well, a creative badass. Yeah, there is, yeah. <laughs> I would say I am, yeah, all those things. I started as a fashion journalist actually, but um, moved away from fashion because I just am more into food. I just like to feed myself more than fashion people do. Yeah, and so <laughs> you got into food writing
0: just by mere fact of loving to eat? I mean, did you start pitching
1: ideas? I think so, yeah. I mean, it happened quite naturally. I had a a couple of years in London working as an editor of an independent fashion magazine. And then went to South America and sort of had this calling. I was in South America for eight months and decided while I was there, I'm done with fashion. I want to be a travel writer. And so I got back and um, I think quite organically got into travel writing. I have always traveled a lot. Um, And yeah, I guess I just started pitching to various magazines. And then from there... I guess I started to focus in a lot more on food because obviously that's such a big part of how, you know, when I choose to travel, it's, it's usually, usually food is a big, you know, part of that. Yes. Yeah. It's
0: like <laughs> a, the motivating factor. Yeah, basically for me it is
1: anyway. Yeah. Where in South America were you for eight months? Um, all over. I started in, I went to Colombia, Ecuador and Peru with my little bro. Nice. And then uh, I went to Chile and Argentina. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so you were born here in England
1: though. I was born in the UK but moved to Greece, Corfu when I was six months because my dad is Greek. And then you were raised in Greece. Yeah, well, sort of half-half. I mean, yeah. real 50-50 Okay, big. yeah. Um yeah, so move to Corfu when I was about six months old, and then lived there, did my whole like primary education in Corfu, and then moved to England right in time for secondary school (laughs) to be bullied as a sort of like, you know, little Greek Greek girl who didn't speak very much English. Wow. With a weird Greek accent at the age of 11. That's that's fine. I got over it. I'm stronger for it.
0: There, Exactly. That's like a way to look at it. And then fast forward to now, you are back living in Greece again? Gone full circle. Full circle. I love it. And But I mean, I am so struck by, I guess, your curiosity that leads you to travel all over the place. So Mm -hmm. we just got a little snippet of it from hearing about your South American adventures. But you also were just in Sicily for four months Mm -hmm. learning Italian. You just decided you wanted to learn Italian. You love
1: Italian food. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, I went with the Grand Dishes team um, to cook with a couple of grandmothers there and learn some recipes from Sicilian nonnas in the summer. And uh, it just really frustrated me that I didn't speak Italian because I, I obviously speak fluent Greek. And when I went to South America, I was, I was kind of forced to learn Spanish. So now I speak Spanish. Um, and it just really annoys me when I can't communicate with people in their language. So I just sort of took it upon myself to go to Sicily for a few months, um, basically work from there. Based my office there and i would go to a sicilian language school in the morning and then in the afternoons i would work and then in the evenings i'd go out and eat
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds amazing <Yeah. laughs> so this is a good time to bring in grand dishes mm-hmm. now now that we've gotten to know you a little bit just in and of yourself and and what you're all about so you paired up with iska mm-hmm.
1: how did you guys meet Oh, we've been besties for a long time. Really? Yeah, yeah, we met at university. So we studied drama and English together at Manchester.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I knew it. So, <laughs> so um, Anastasia and I have already uh, bonded over the fact that we're both Aries.
1: And Iska is an Aries. It,
0: and Iska is an Aries. Um, I was a theatre minor. So okay. that's another thing that we've yeah. got in common.
1: So much in common. So, so. much in common. <laughs> I
0: know. So you guys know each other from school and then your buddies, your friends, you're hanging out. How did you decide to like start it's
1: it's turning into a business mm-hmm. now right like <laughs> we're gonna start making money from it soon but i don't know if we ever will okay. um it's becoming i'd like to say a, project, it's a, a, a granny movement a granny <laughs> movement yeah yeah so tell Spend everyone more time who, with your granny
0: i i for people who do not know mm-hmm. w- what this project we're talking about what is
1: grand dishes i'll start from the start so i have a very ferocious shall we put it Greek grandmother she's actually terrifying um, <laughs> like she carries a big knife that, like a weed whacking knife in yeah. her purse at all times yeah yeah if you search for <laughs> Yaya on Nowness you will find the film that we made of her and she's pretty you know formidable
0: which is how I know about the knife because I watched that <laughs> yeah. video it is a great video it's actually a scythe it
1: it's side. a scythe which is actually scarier than a knife yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway so your grandma yeah who's a horse of nature <laughs> she's not a
1: serial killer she she just cuts back weeds with it. Um, anyway, so she is, yeah, as you put it, a force of nature. And she really shows us her love for us through the food that she puts on the table. Because otherwise she's pretty, you know, harsh in her um way with us. Um so I had this idea always that I really want to get down her core fiat recipes in a recipe book just for myself because when she's gone, which I know is a fact that I will have to, you know come to terms with at some point I won't be able to taste that food ever again you know no one cooks like my grandmother and I think no one has no one can cook like a grandmother because these recipes have been passed down through generations but they've never been written they've just been passed from person to person so I sort of had this idea that I would just start cooking with my yeah yeah and basically writing everything down that she does because she sort of doesn't really measure anything out just sort of pours loads of olive oil in for, like direct from the bottle so typical yeah, yeah it's- very Mediterranean oh, yeah. granny yep um, so I and I spoke about this to Iska who has a similar sort of experience with her own grandmother who is German um, who is um, an amazing hostess, but she's also quite sort of stern and curt in her way. But she puts on these amazing, lavish feasts for the family that Iska, you know, will f- sort of forever remember. Um, so, and we have always collaborated together. It's even since we were at university doing silly things like, you know, putting on plays together. We've always done stuff together. I mean, that's a, that's a special kind of friendship. Yeah, you can't you can't do that with all. Kinds yeah, yeah. Of friends. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we do butt heads sometimes as well. Um, which is yeah, only, yeah. only normal. Yeah. But, um, we have always collaborated together and I think, um, we complement each other's, um, I guess talents and skills quite well. Um, and a bonding thing that we've always had has been food. Either we will always cook with each other or for each other. And, um, it's one of, you know, Iska's big interests now. She's at Ballymaloo, you know, and in, in a week she's going to be a yeah. chef.
0: Really, really popular um, and awesome cookery school mm-hmm. in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's a it's a big deal over here which for is my American friends. It's a, Yeah, which she, is why she can't join. She has
1: her exams this week. So exciting. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so
0: how does it work? What's the dynamic like when you guys are featuring one of these grandmas, Mm -hmm. do you kind of put on your writer hat and she puts on her culinary hat?
1: Or how does that work? That's exactly how it works. Um, I am very sort of invasive in my questioning. Um, Good journalist. Yes, yes, very much so. (laughs) In fact, I never really realized how invasive I am until, you know, sometimes we sit down and have lunch with the grandmothers and their families. And some of the grandkids have said to me, wow, I never knew that about my grandmother and I can't believe you dared ask her that question wow um which you know is it, for me as a journalist is quite nice to hear because they always answer they never have a problem and they're I think um they get to a stage where they feel quite comfortable with us because the sort of format is we go in we usually spend a weekend with these women it's not like we call them up and just ask them to send a recipe we actually dedicate a day or two to spending time with them getting to know them going to their vegetable patch with them, going to the market with them, going fishing with them. It's kind of like a, you know, a mini trip each time we we cook with a granny. We learn about her, her family, her culture, um, just how she feeds herself and how she feeds her family. And that um, can be, you know, via the, f- the food that she eats, but then also all the activities that she does and everything that makes her life hurts, I guess.
0: Yeah, Um, I feel like you're able to then strike a balance in terms of those difficult questions you mm -hmm. ask because you are able to mix a familiarity with still an outside point of view, which actually makes me wonder,
1: how was it when you were interviewing your own grandma? Because you obviously (laughs) didn't have that. She's a nightmare. (laughs) Um, It really, it was like getting blood from a stone with my own grandmother. She's, because she is so like, you know, Yeah, yeah. How did you meet Papu? I just met him. He walked past and he liked me, and then that was it. And I'm like, yeah, but come on, give me some more. But the way it worked with her was I had Iska and our amazing photographer Ella with us. And I basically said, Oh, Iska wants to know da di da da So it almost worked in the same way because I, you know, posed the questions from Iska and Ella while we're sat at the dining table eating. So smart. What a good strategy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When we're cooking as well, obviously Iska's taking down the recipe and um, she's hands-on cooking with a grandmother. And I'm usually there sort of in the background with a notebook asking the odd question, which is also how these amazing stories come out because I think it's not just us um, quizzing the grandmother and getting something from her. I feel like, um, you know, we, we give them a lot as well about our own lives. And obviously because we spend time with them, they're quite inquisitive and they want to know about us. So it's almost a sort of like exchange between our experience and their experience Um, and while Iska is cooking she you know also is sort of giving parts of herself away and you know letting this grandmother know that she's there to help and obviously you get into conversations when you're cooking that I think sometimes are can be a little bit more emotional and a little bit more revealing than you might do in a sort of interview format in that it's you're in the grandmother's kitchen first of all so you're in their space second of all you know we ask them to cook a special dish that means something to them so these flavors these scents the sort of like age-old techniques that they have mastered over 60 years 70 years um they all conjure memory especially the the scents Hmm. Um, of the kitchen. So I think that also makes these women more conducive to share things with us. And then obviously we're two girls in our 20s still figuring out what the hell we're doing with our lives, don't have a clue, have all these questions. We sort of ask their advice on things that are going on with us. So I think it's sort of, um, we build a rapport in this kitchen. It's not just sort of me quizzing the granny and firing questions at her. It's, you know, sometimes it's been, Iska chopping an onion going, you know, what do you think I should do about this? This is the situation I'm in. And Iska poses some really interesting questions too. Um, But the way it always happens is it's just an organic flow. It's Mm -hmm. always a conversation between us and the grandmothers and a sharing of stories.
0: This is so cool. I feel like (laughs) this is how... This is how journalism should be, even where you get to know the person. And there's no otherness, even if it's a, a totally different culture, if they have a totally different background. So this is all being put together into a book. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the book project. <laughs> You're working with Unbound, which is a publishing house here in London, right? They're based in London. Yeah. and. The way that they are able to publish such incredible works of art that might not otherwise like fit into the traditional publishing house industry is that there's crowdfunding. Woo! We love crowdfunding. By the book, by the, the book, by the, the book. <laughs> so, so you guys are on Unbound currently in your
1: crowdfunding campaign. Mm-hmm. How's that going? What's that like? It's going well. We're at 62% funded at the time of recording. Um,
0: At the time of recording. (laughs)
1: Um, And I think... I mean, it is a bit of a slog sometimes because we just want to sort of get on with the project and keep going and cooking with granny. Yeah, because you know how amazing this project yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. So we obviously just want to get on with it and keep cooking and writing the book. But in order to publish the book, we have to sell as as many copies as we can in advance and hit this sort of 100% target. Um, so... If we can inspire as many people to sort of pre-order their copy of the book in advance of it going to print, then that means we get to published way faster. Um, and in the meantime, we are continuing our journey, talking to grannies, cooking with grannies um, and get basically get getting everything out sort of online as well. We're having excerpts go up on the um, on the website. And in the fact that you guys are doing it, like mm-hmm. that's the big difference.
0: You're doing something that is just such an incredible idea. Yeah. I think premise. the
1: nice thing is as well as it's always a special recipe that means something about the grandmother. But what we're also including in the book is, you know, these amazing life lessons that we're gleaning from these women. And it's such, you know, different things from each woman that we have learned and absorbed in our own lives. And we have changed so much. in, you know, the course of a year of cooking with all these grandmothers, they've taught us so much about you know how we should be living our lives and we've made so many changes in our own lives and I think It has a huge. I mean, I probably think it's probably it's like eighty percent to do with the project that we're in. Wow! So if we can, you know, share these amazing life lessons and anecdotes that are come are coming from women who have lived a life. You know, they know what it is to have lived a life, and they've been through things that are so much bigger than maybe anything that we're going to experience. You know, they're the last generation of women that lived through a a big war. Yeah, Um, and they migrated not because. Because you know oh I just fancy going to live in Sicily for a few months to learn Italian they were migrating because they were forced to leave their countries and um, I guess it's with the grandmothers it's a story of migration even you know with the women who who are in Europe you know we've got an Indian grandmother that moved from India but we also have a, a German grandmother who is living in the UK because she was forced to flee Nazi Germany and then never went back um, how do you find these grandmas? How do we find them? Um, it started with our own networks. And as the project has got bigger, um, people have contacted us, recommended grandmothers. Sometimes we will just be planning a trip off the cuff just to go somewhere on a holiday. And then because we're obsessed with this project, we'll go, oh, why Why don't we see if we can find a granny? And then obviously we'll put a call out <laughs> online. And I'm just doing it for Tel Aviv now. I'm going to Tel Aviv to write an article for... Um, a newspaper and I just thought, hold on a minute, you know, the tourism board are paying me to go to Tel Aviv. Why don't I get, you know, bring the the team and we can go and find a granny while we're there. Yeah. And so we're trying to find a granny in Tel Aviv and then another one in Moscow when we go to Moscow in a few weeks. And can you,
0: you've already listed off a few of the places that you've Mm -hmm. traveled to, but what have been some of your favorites?
1: Oh, they're all so special. It's really hard to say. Um, Oh, they, I, I couldn't. I couldn't pick any out. Obviously, for Sicily was amazing because we stayed with three very different grandmothers and cooked with them over the course of a week. So it was, you know, like a granny road trip. And the first, <laughs> yeah, the first grandmother was um, Nicoletta. Polo Lanza Tomasi di Lampedusa. She was the Duchess of um, Parma in Palermo. Yeah. So we stayed in her 16th century palazzo and cooked watermelon jelly with her, learned to make a traditional Palermitan watermelon jelly. And she is a Duchess, but she hosts these amazing cooking lessons out of her palace because she's so invested in, um, you know, teaching people about Palermitan food. And I just think it's so interesting that she's not, you know, what you would imagine of an aristocrat. She's just this amazing woman who loves to cook, and she's never had hired help, even though, you know, she's from this very well-to-do family. Then the next person that we cooked with was just a friend's grandmother from Mondello Beach, um, on the coast of Palermo and she made us pasta con le sarde, which is like a very traditional, um, pasta with sardines. Um, and she, you know, her whole house was super quirky and you walk in an instant, you just get a feeling like, wow, I'm in Sicily, you know? Um, and then we went from her like beach Beach house to the Licartan countryside, south of Sicily, in the middle of nowhere, and we were in, you know, a, a, a country home with a real traditional Italian nonna. You know, she had the scarf tied around her head. She was rolling pasta. Wow. She was so it was, you know, a very, I guess. Interesting insight into Sicily in general from three different, you know, three women from very different backgrounds, very different social classes, but they all had this passion for food and Sicilian food. I mean, this is like an anthropological study that you are doing. Yeah, and we got their insights as well, which is, you know, insights on life. Yeah. Which was, again, very interesting. Same again with Croatia. We cooked with two ladies from Croatia who were, you know, both fantastic. One of them has her own private island oh just gosh. off the coast of Havar. No big deal. Yeah. And she's lived there since they had no electricity in the 60s, moved there, you know, with her husband and they had nothing, no electricity, and they built everything up on this island themselves. Wow. Yeah.
0: So, where do you see this project going after the book is out? Because we've already determined it's obviously going to happen. Mm-hmm have you thought ahead or let yourself think ahead to what might be next and what else you guys could do with
1: this? We know sort of what's next, but we're not allowed to talk about Oh-ho. it. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Leaving us in suspense. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, on a sort of social level I would really like it to be the beginning of a, of a granny movement you know I want people to send us their grannies their recipes I want it to become a little bit more open um to other people and I just want Grand Dishes to be on a big scale inspiring people to cook with their grandmothers spend time with their grandmothers not necessarily just their grandmothers their grandparents because they have not just their recipes but there's so so much to teach us about life to learn from them yeah and and always like
0: these our grandparents have gone through some stuff
1: (laughs) let's learn yeah and often I think you don't think to to ask things ask these questions of your grandparents until they're gone which Mm -hmm. is such a shame you know that we've uh, from doing this project I always put my foot in it and you know obviously go have you got a granny (laughs) <laughs> because I'm obviously granny obsessed and I always want to meet people's grandmothers for this project. And sometimes they'll come back, maybe like 50% of the time, they'll come back and go, no, she died. And then I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Never quite know what to say after that. Right. Um, but worth asking nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. always. Yeah. Um, but you know the main takeaway is they do say, but I, w- you know, I wish I had done something like this with her while she was around. So I think it's really valuable. And going back to you know you saying, oh, you're turning it into a business, I, I feel like. More importantly than it becoming a business and it making money, which I think no one really does from writing a book anyway, um, it more will just bring awareness to this idea of slowing down, taking the time to spend with people that are older than us. Uh, think about you know this cross generational exchange, um, as well as you know slow food processes and um, I guess eating seasonally growing your own stuff if you can thinking more about how to live the life that our grandparents lived 60 years ago um before this you know world that is caving in on itself because of all the plastic that we're you know burying it under um i think that's super important and for me that's kind of like an underlying thing that I feel is is starting to stress me and make me more anxious as the years mm-hmm. go on. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I
0: totally agree.
1: I also think it gives this project
0: an added bedrock. So Grand Dishes is this awesome thing that you and Iska are working on right now. But like we talked about at the top of the conversation, you do a ton of stuff and mm-hmm. you're constantly traveling around and writing for a whole bunch of different outlets. So I want to hear more about your life as a creative entrepreneur. <laughs> creative oh, entrepreneur. <laughs> do you? Would you call yourself an entrepreneur?
1: No, but that's what you are, don't you that's think? That's very sweet. Thank well, you. How, how... <laughs> oh, my dad would be so proud of you had that. So, would you
0: would call yourself a freelancer?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I really never thought about it, honestly. But it's nice to hear that. Okay, well, I see you as an entrepreneur. You're so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) You're
0: welcome. You are welcome. You have a brand and you write. You are like a really, from what I can tell and from what I've read, you're a very successful writer for being as young as you are as well. Let's (laughs) high five.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So give us a sense of your like day-to-day almost like how do you write where do you write do you have a routine where like I have my cup of coffee then I write two pages and then I take a break or whatever how how is that for you this is
1: so embarrassing um (laughs) is it well I've moved to Athens so my pace of life has slowed down a lot um well yeah so day-to-day I would I will wake up not with an alarm anymore but i do usually wake up quite early i have always been a morning person but maybe not as early as i used to wake up at in the uk because obviously you know things happen a lot later in athens people go out for dinner at like 11 p.m and that's completely normal unreal are you serious yeah yeah if you come and visit me in athens i'll take you out for dinner at 11 so make sure you have a snack before and a nap and
0: an espresso yeah Mm (laughs) yeah
1: No, no. The espresso comes after dinner because then we go out until 5 a.m. Oh, hey. Yeah, that's what happens. Okay, I'm happens. Get already getting myself prepared for this. <laughs> just take some vitamins. Yeah, right. um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I will wake up, you know, in the week. I do have a normal working week, but um, it's just a lot more chilled than maybe I was in London,
0: and which has more to do with yeah exactly where you are
1: than yeah. what you do. And I think honestly, it has helped me be far more creative. When I was living in London, I did a lot of copywriting for brands. Um, and moving to Athens, I've had so much more time to pitch ideas and think about you know stories that I really want to write that are slightly more from the heart. Because I think um, taking I guess a little bit of the pressure off that London adds. I mean, the the major thing is financial pressure, which you can escape when you're living in the south of Europe, for example. Um, You just have a bit more time to actually you know sit down with a notepad on your bed in the morning have a cup of tea never coffee mm. don't drink coffee <laughs> very english in that way <laughs> um and you know just think about the ideas and think about the people that i've met um so you know maybe half of my week will just be me thinking of ideas and pitching or going out meeting people interviewing people um going and you know learning a sort of new technique or going to eat in a new place Um, And then the other half of the week will be either me pitching and sending all these ideas out to editors and um, thinking really hard about, you know, how I'm going to frame or angle the piece according to whoever I want to write it for. Which is so
0: important. I feel like a lot of times people pitch things and it's like the same for every outlet.
1: Yeah, I think I started doing that, you know, when I first started pitching like years ago. And then it's definitely a skill that you learn to like hone in on like as you you know develop as a writer right
0: and then the relationships that you have built mm-hmm. then you know how to pitch to yeah, those yeah. people specifically yeah
1: yeah and they get to obviously know your writing style as well and you get to know what the kind of thing that they want um and then you know the following week will be a week when i just get inundated with like yeah yes no's yes no's uh, obviously it's a good week when lots of people come back and say yes and then that's when I get extremely anxious and obviously have to get up early not go out till five in the morning and just you know knuckle down and do loads of work like for the next four weeks I have had all my pitches accepted but I'm also traveling to Tinos Andros two Greek islands Uh, exactly after that I go to Tel Aviv I, the day after I get back from my trip to Tel Aviv, I go to Montenegro. Um, and then I come back to London for two days. Then I fly to Moscow. And wow. that's all for work. Which and you, while yeah. I'm doing that, I'm writing, uh, uh, you know, on the go, on airplanes. For the other... Yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: So, I mean, it sounds, it's incredible and it sounds so exciting and what incredible adventures. But it's also, at the same time, really good to hear that you get back to Greece and that you do have the time to wake up, make yourself tea, right? Mm -hmm. Like that there is kind of this ebb and flow of it. I feel like it's important to hear how it balances out. Because would it be sustainable if it were constantly
1: on the go? I think not. I think that's what, you know, life can be like in a sort of busy city like London or, you know, probably New York. I, I mean, think.
0: this was, I'm talking to you like 10 years in New York, two years in London. I'm yeah. like, does another way of life exist? Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of like, this is amazing.
1: Yeah, there, it does exist. And I think obviously it it being a freelancer is all about finding the balance. You can't be on the go all the time. And I think it can be very hard as a freelancer to give yourself time off because whenever you say no to something, you know, you're You're taking money out of your pocket. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you're, you know, you're anxious about if that thing might not get offered to you again. So I have a tendency to just try and say yes to everything. Um, And I think... I even work when I'm on holiday, you know. I obviously go away, and even when I'm away on a sort of little mini break for myself, I'm thinking about how I can turn it into money, you know. I'm like, how can I write an article about my experience? Because that's just the way you think when you're a freelancer. You're constantly like, you know how do I make the most out of this? Because yeah. that's the way your brain works. And I guess as a journalist as well, everyone I meet, I am a bit like, oh, this looks good make an interesting story. You could, yeah. you could be an interesting person Absolutely. to interview. Um, so yeah, it is, you have to be, sort of strict with yourself and tell yourself you know I'm I'm just not going to do that this week or I'm going to take this week and not th- not do that thing and I find that I only do that when I'm in Corfu because that's my island I'm not going to write about it because I've written enough about it already I'm just going to go there and have 10 days in Corfu and just be with my family and you know I will put Yaya on Instagram loads though for grand dishes <laughs> <laughs> That's about the most I do when I'm in Corfu.
0: My question for you, Anastasia, how do you keep it quirky? how do I keep it quirky
1: I've got an answer but I don't think I'm allowed to say it on this podcast <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's 2x races. <laughs> do you have a PG <laughs> PG version do I have a PG version I don't know if I can I don't know if I do All
0: right, maybe we leave it up to yeah. the listeners imagination <laughs> <laughs> to know how you keep it quirky Yeah, I think that might be the, our best answer I've had yet. <laughs> <laughs> Anastasia, for people who want to check out Grand Dishes, where can they find this project and where can they find
1: you people can find us at www.granddishes.com um there's a big button that says pledge to get the grand dishes book on our landing page do it so, <laughs> please do get yourself um a book pledge to get the book because the faster people pledge and sign up to get a, a copy um the faster the book will be out and uh through your letterbox and
0: also on instagram at and do you want to throw in your?
1: I'll just throw mine in there. Throw as yours well. in as well. Anastasia underscore
0: Miari. Anastasia Miari. Thank you so much for coming on the Keep It Quirky podcast. Thanks
1: for having me. <laughs>
0: Thank you again, Anastasia, for coming on the podcast. Everyone go out and support Grand Dishes on Unbound. That is the crowdsourcing site where you can support the book. I am putting the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks to Funky Brian for the theme song you hear. I will not be with you next week. I'm taking a little mid-season break, but I will be back here in a few weeks' time. Thanks so much for listening, as always. And don't forget to keep it quirky. (laughs) but <laughs>